You're listening to Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. That's me, your sassy source for lifestyle advice, wellness tips, and pop culture dish. I'm the reality TV junkie, self-improvement addict, and holistic hustler here to help you get your shit together and laugh through all the chaos of life in your 20s. If you're not doing so already, go and give me a follow at Just Plain Zach for really funny Instagram stories of my neighbors, adorable memes, and really cute selfies. Hot Girl Summer is over, but that's okay because white girls around the world rejoice. It is officially pumpkin spice season. Start. Starbucks just kicked it off the earliest ever. I always say never drink a Starbucks unless you need a laxative. But that's okay because we trust Starbucks because when they launch a new seasonal drink, we know that the seasons have officially changed. To help me unleash my inner white girl, I've got a guest who's here to help us be our true, authentic selves and bounce back from our rock bottom moments. Lord knows I've had many. Please welcome TV host, motivational speaker, and author of Flipping the Script, Mr. AJ Gibson. What up, Zach? That was a really nice intro. Thank you. I I wrote it myself. I like the pine, pumpkin spice latte part, though. <laughs> Nothing to believe- do with me, but I, I I can't stand them. Can you believe that like we're launching them in August? I know. I read that article the other day that Starbucks, like you said, they're, it's the earliest they've ever done it, right? Why? But like, I'm still on the just... s'mores frappuccino train. Is that that's it's a, that's their summertime one, and that's it's disgusting. absurd. I found out. I, I ordered them a couple of times, and it was amazing. And then I watched them make it one time. They put two scoops of vanilla ice cream in instead of milk. I it's, was like, that's why it's so good. It's, in, it's terrible. Insane. It's like 83,000 calories. They had calories. Like the, the, the unicorn frappuccino mm-hmm. and the mermaid. Like, they're just like so bad. Like, you're just drinking diabetes. <laughs> that's all it is. That's really I'm, all I'm it here is. for it. Okay, for everyone listening that is not into the whole pumpkin spice vibe, I don't blame you. If anything, I commend you. But what I will say is one thing that I'm into that I know I'll be drinking this fall and probably starting tonight um, is my favorite hangover-free wine, and that's by Dry Farm Wines. They send you a collection of different wines that they ship straight to your door every month or really every like every four weeks, every six weeks. You get to decide how often you want it, but they'll ship it right to you. You don't even have to run down the street to go to the store and it's already pre-vetted. There's no added sugars, no added additives. There's no added dyes. There's no junk in it. So you're not going to be too, you know, too turned the next morning, but you're still going to get pretty turned tonight. So go and give Dry Farm Wines a try. Go to dryfarmwines.com slash Zach, Z-A-C-K. Dryfarmwine.com slash Zach, Z-A-C-K. The link is in the description below because I made it easy for you. You can order straight from your phone. So go and order it right now. Okay, thanks. Okay, AJ, so you have to answer my icebreaker questions, which are four questions that every guest, or five questions that every guest has to answer when they come in the studio. Uh Uh-oh. First one, which I know because I read your book, but for my listeners, where did you grow up and what part of the world are you currently living in now? Uh, The, uh, (laughs) Salina, Ohio. I don't know how to describe it. Salina, Ohio. It's a small farming community in Northwest Ohio. Yes. Uh, Born and raised. But you didn't grow up on a farm. No, I did not. It's a farming community, but not. Most of my friends grew up on farms, and I spent a lot of time on farms. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I used to drink. I used to have, like, milk from a cow, like, in the morning on my cereal oftentimes. Like, buddies of mine, they were dairy farmers, and yeah. we'd milk the cows, and they would keep the milk in, like, a Kool-Aid pitcher. And the cream would rise to the top, and you'd have to kind of, like, either scoop it off or stir it up. And that's why it was delicious. It's I used fresh. To, yes, I used to go uh, to, out to the chicken AF. coops with my friends and get the eggs from the chickens. And sometimes they have shit on them. I didn't realize that's disgusting, but but that's what it's really like before they clean them and send them to the grocery store. Before you get them at Whole Foods. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's one word your mom and you live in Los Angeles now, right? Yes. What's one word your mom would use to describe you? Oh gosh. 
one word opinionated opinionated yeah you have a lot of opinions i do you have a whole book about them i do and they're usually right <laughs> yeah it's like me it's <laughs> according to me a uh, fun fact what's one thing about you people would not expect Ooh. um one thing they would not expect without reading the book mm-hmm. i'm a christian yeah I was like a former atheist, sort of, or agnostic. I don't really know what Were it was. Were you raised Christian? Yeah, I was raised. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was raised Catholic. Yeah, Catholic school. But there's system. a difference between like Christian and Catholic. Totally, Catholicism has a lot more guilt. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I went to Catholic school growing up, and then after I graduated high school and, and got away from it all, and I'd known I was gay since I was five or six, I um I finally had the chance to sort of decide what I wanted to be and who I wanted to become. Yeah. And so I told myself I was an atheist for about 15 years. I find out now it's really called agnostic. Mm. But because uh, the entire time I'd be like, hey, God, just hang in there in case I'm wrong. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, then, yeah. and then I was actually baptized about five or six years ago. As a born-again Christian? Yeah, yeah. Born-again sounds so weird and creepy, yeah. but yeah, I go to church almost every Sunday now. Wow. And I love it. So that's confusing for some people in the community, in the LGBTQ plus community. It is. Um, but yeah, I'm very proud of it. Drink of choice. Oh, gosh. I would say an old-fashioned. Mm. I love bourbon. You look like an old-fashioned kind of guy. I don't think I look old. I guess no. the gray hair and the beard. No, no I, old fashions are having a comeback yeah, moment. I also love a good mojito. Mm. Like poolside, that's like my jam. I love basil. Yeah. I could eat basil in everything. I like basil with watermelon. Yeah. Like a basil, basil watermelon margarita with, mm-hmm. like, with or like jalapeno or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I have it's a, a lot good of, balance of flavor. I like cocktails. I do, too. <laughs> Uh, last question, which is my favorite question to ask. If you had to be reincarnated as a Kardashian, which one would it be? God, that's easy. Chloe. Chloe? Yes. You, you have Chloe vibes. No, Chloe's like, I love Chloe because she's real and down to earth, but she's also sassy and she's pretty sharp with her tongue. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like her, more than any of the other girls, her she's her emotions are easily accessible. Mm-hmm. And that really describes me. Like, I wear my heart on my sleeve and I'm very just genuine. Yeah. I love it or leave it. And uh, and I feel like she's had the least plastic surgery of all of them, except for Kendall, of course. Yeah. yeah. You definitely seem to be better at relationships than Chloe is, though. Yeah. I don't know, though. I mean, I, I am now. I, I luckily, Well, you've been in a relationship for, what, like seven, seven years? years? Yeah. yeah. Our seven-year seven anniversary is coming up uh, in a few weeks. But before that, there was a lot of heartache, a lot of mess-ups, and a lot of just bad decisions and yeah, one night stands turned into relationships. Oh, I, that's yeah. fun. Well, I never. I, I always told myself, I'm like, I'm not a one night stand kind of guy. Oh, so you so just then I would like date, conquer- then yeah. I would date them for a couple of months just to ease my conscience. Are you good at breaking things off? With no, you? no, terrible. Because you are afraid of being alone, or because you're afraid of hurting their feelings. I or- hate hurting people's feelings. Mm. I hate letting people down. Yeah, I'm better now. Like I'm fine now. In my in my 30s, I got better, but in my 20s. I would drive them away. I would do everything I could. I wouldn't cheat, but I would do everything else I could. Uh, I would take them on like the crazy train. So they would yeah. be like, I'm done. I can't. Yeah. And I'd be like, okay, well, this is what you need. And I was always <laughs> like checked out months prior, but I didn't have the guts to do it on my own. No, I feel like I do that. Like, I hate the concept of ghosting so much. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like, oh, well, if they're still interested in me, then like, I, you know, I don't want to break their hopes, even though I know for sure, like, I don't want to. Well, first you. of all, ghosting was not a thing when I was dating, yeah. really. So I didn't really have to go through that. Thank God. And social media wasn't really that big of a deal early on in my dating years. But I also, I, this is terrible. And I've, I've talked to my therapist about this. I think there's a lot of ego involved. I would feel bad for people because 
I know that a couple of the guys in particular that I, that I dated in my 20s, I, I used to date a lot of broken birds. Mm. And so I I knew that they felt that I was out of their league and that they were so grateful to be with me. And I also knew it too, but I could never really admit it. Yeah. So I would stay with them because I I would be like, this is so egotistical, but I'd be like, they're never going to find somebody who loves them as, like I do. They're never going to find somebody oh as loyal God. as I am because I know I'm loyal. Yeah. And so I was like, well, I guess I'll just take one for the team. So they're happy, oh my God. which is absurd, but that's sort of how I rolled in my 20s. Now I've I've had a few of those. Where you thought, really, I, and you really believe you're taking one for the team. Totally. And you you're think doing you're God's like, work. You think you're such a catch. And I, I mean, I was, but I wasn't that like that great, obviously. <laughs> oh my god, I love it. Um, so your book, flipping the script, bouncing back from life's rock bottom moments. I finished it this morning, and it is really good. And I was just telling you that, like, I didn't realize how much I needed to hear a lot of the messages that you put in the book until I actually read it, and I was like, holy shit! Like, I, like it's so much of it hit home, and I realized a lot of our lives have overlapped. Um, because I would say I probably have had my rock bottom year this past year, mm. and I'm just on the other side of coming out of it now. Yeah. Um. So what would you say? Because like you lost your dream job, mm -hmm. you uh, were heartbroken by your sister because she then, how would I explain? Like rejected that your sexuality yes. after being so close yes. for so long, and where you said she was kind of like your defender in so many cases, and then all of a sudden that kind of flipped. Mm -hmm. um, and you had a uh, a moment where you were considering contemplating committing suicide, mm -hmm. and then you came out of that. You wrote a book. You're on the other side. You're you're on Wendy Williams now. You're sipping that tea, spilling that tea. You're back on TV. So, what would you credit your um? What would you credit that flip to? Would you say it was like your resilience or finding your your purpose? Uh, two things. One, first and foremost, God. Yeah. Um, but in the form of my friends, really. Like God like works through, and that's something I didn't understand when I was younger, mm -hmm. um, before I stepped away from faith. Like God finds his way to you or her way to you, whoever God is, mm -hmm. uh, finds her way to you through people. And for me in particular, it was my boyfriend, Emil. Mm -hmm. And he just, he just stuck, like stood by me. He like stood by me in, in moments when I didn't see a way out, mm -hmm. when I didn't feel that I had any value, that mm -hmm. I brought anything to anyone's lives anymore. And I was just over it all. And I was starting to, because I was starting to look at myself as I thought the world saw me based on what was going on in my life personally and financially at the time. Mm -hmm. And also my, my career kind of dipped. At the time, it felt like a failure. Getting fired from a national talk show on Fox felt like a huge yeah. failure. And it felt like this was my one chance. I'll never work again. And I believed that. And the more I believed that, the less I worked. Yeah. Uh, isn't that ironic? And then yeah the money thing has always been sort of an issue for me i've kind of like i've not been the greatest with money but i was also like put into debt at a very young age like so many people are because i didn't have parents who could just put me through college yeah i have five brothers and sisters who all went to college my parents couldn't afford to do, you know what i mean yeah um and so there, there's a lot of and then the sister stuff was really hard we went through a solid few years where it was just difficult what's your relationship like now because it's been what like it's been the book, a while well, the, since you finished writing the book. I finished the book last July. So okay. 13 months ago, I finished it. I turned in my final copy. And at that point, you guys were still a little yeah. not close. Yeah. When the book came out, she wanted nothing to do with it. Mm. It sort of uh, stirred up a lot of uncomfortable stuff with my family. Okay. Because I think that, they, first of all, first and foremost, my family stood by me through her all of that. Nobody agreed with my sister. Okay. Like I thought they would. Yeah. I was afraid, you know, if my sister can turn on me, 
every single person in my life could because she yeah. was my closest, like my ride or die person. Yeah. And that didn't happen. So I was grateful for that. But just because they didn't agree with her didn't mean they like wholeheartedly came out and supported me either. Yeah. Because it's especially my, you know, like my mom, for instance, you always want your parent to take your side. Right. But if there's another sibling involved, even if that sibling's 100% wrong and you're 100% yeah. right, they're not going to take your side fully because they can't. Yeah. And so that was difficult for me. And I took it very personally for a long time. Uh, we're great now. Unfortunately, she had um, a miscarriage a few months back. And she's living in Texas now, but she happened to be in Los Angeles when it happened. Mm. And we had gotten together that day. Uh, this story is actually pretty wild. I was supposed to meet her after church. And it was her last day in L.A. She was doing like mission work out here with another church. And we were about 15 minutes from the end of service. And I leaned over to my boyfriend, Emil, and I said, I got to go. I just feel like I need to go now. He's like, what's, what's wrong? I'm like, I don't know. I, just, I, I feel like I got to get to Carrie. And I walk outside. I turn my phone on and I have a missed text from her two, three minutes prior. And so I call her and she's crying and she's like, listen, I'm so sorry. I can't do lunch today. I'm like, what, what's, what's, what's wrong? She tells me she's been cramping. She's been bleeding. Um, she's at the beginning of her second trimester and uh, she's been in a lot of pain. And I said, I will drive out to you. She was about 45 minutes away. I'm like, I will drive to you to give you a hug if that's okay. Yeah. Because the second that happened, I just started bawling. Yeah. And because we hadn't really spoken for a long time up to that point, this was supposed to be like our reconciliation day mm -hmm. attempt, right? Our 200th attempt. And so I went and I got her a bunch of stuff at like CVS uh, to make her feel better, like Tums and like Triscuits and bottled water and coloring books and things like that. And I get out there and we hugged and we talked for about three or four hours and just cried, wow. talked about everything that we hadn't been able to talk about for about three years prior to that. And, uh, she gave me a hug. I left that night. The next morning, I woke up from a text from her. She went to the ER that night and lost her baby. And an hour later, she had to be on a plane back to Texas with her husband. And um, and it gutted me. And I couldn't call her because she was on a plane when yeah. I got the message. So I called my mom, and we just cried and cried and cried. And I said to my mom, this sounds crazy. And this is something I wouldn't have said prior to going back, coming back to faith. I said, it feels to me, and I don't, don't ever repeat this because this is, could sound awful in the wrong way, but it feels to me that God used this baby to bring Carrie and I back together and then it served its purpose and that was it. And my mom just lost it. And she's mm -hmm. like, your sister said the exact same thing to me this morning. And once, once we'd been brought back together, God said, okay, that's it. Yeah. This is it. Was she receptive to, because the reason you guys, the reason your, your relationship was fractured is because she then came to you and uh, questioned whether or not being gay was part of your. Yeah. Like um, she thought that God had more plans. Yeah. Bigger plans for me and that being gay didn't fit into that. Um, I don't know that she still fully believes that, mm -hmm. but I don't know that she doesn't. Okay. She hasn't apologized for that. She apologized for bringing it up the way that she did. Okay. And I've had to learn, and through writing the book, I've had to learn to let that go. I can't let her opinion of me, which changes, you know, from time to time. I can't let that affect me the way that it did for so long. Yeah. You know, and I can still love her and know that she might think this thing of me that that is 100% not true, but it might be true to her. Yeah. And that's fine. Okay. So we're kind of in a place where we kind of just understand, you know, I don't agree with all of her decisions and all yeah. of her, you know. It was hard for me to get past that, though, because it felt like she was judging it because she viewed it as a choice, which yeah. it is not. Yeah. That was what was hard. 
it's like you're judging the fact that I have brown eyes or, you know. Yeah, or like when they compare it to like selling drugs and it's like that's a choice that you make and yeah, that's a little sinful, but like, you know, it's not It's this but this is not a this sin. This is part of yeah, this, this is, is part, part of who, who I you am. are. Yeah. Yeah. It's like judging me for being six five. Yeah. I, I can't just, really I'm change tall. that. Nothing I can do about it. So what is your concept of God? Because you talk a lot about your faith in the book. Mm -hmm. And I feel like in the gay community, religion is a very, like, tricky subject because there's so much guilt around it. So, like, what is your concept of God and what does Christianity even mean to you? Uh, It means a lot of things and it's always evolving. It has been. You say that it's it's tricky in the community. It is. I, I found, especially writing this book, I felt very alone because I found since I've come back to faith these last five or six years... The LGBTQ plus community doesn't fully understand my faith side. Yeah. And my faith community doesn't really understand my the yeah. fact that I'm a gay man. So I feel a little bit like an island. Yeah. I don't really always feel like I fit in anywhere. Yeah. And I've learned that's okay. You're like, what is that? The Venn diagram where the, there's yeah. the three yeah. circles? Yeah. And I'm just there in the middle. Just You're like, in the middle. So I'm yeah. not sure where I belong. But that's okay, though, right? And in, 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 catholic faith that's that's the holy trinity yeah in the middle is where it all so i'm like oh i'm okay being here yeah uh it's it's interesting though because the more i get out into the community and have this conversation the more i find a deep yearning for faith within with from my like lgbtq plus brothers and sisters and that's been beautiful because in the past the, the the conversation was sort of like fuck god yeah you know and fuck Christians and fuck, you know, religion. Yeah. Everybody's spiritual now. They're, they, you know, they're no longer like people don't trust religion. And to be honest, either do I. Yeah. Uh, so my concept of God uh, is that I always tell people, look, I don't, I don't care if you, if you pray to this water bottle. Yeah. And it makes you a better person and you're kind and compassionate towards others. Then that works for me. Don't care. Because at the end of the day, whether you're christian or jewish or muslim or buddhist or or atheist or anything in between i believe we're all um built first of all to live in community with one another yeah and that we're all really praying to the same thing yeah we all have different words and different rituals and different ways of showing that and trying to connect with that whatever that is source energy light Mm -hmm. whatever universe whatever people call it it's all the same yeah and i call it god because i'm a christian but I'm not so insecure that someone else calling the same thing by a different name offends me. Yeah. Like so many people are of every religion. Right. That doesn't bother me. Yeah. So you believe in kind of like that elephant concept or like the elephant is so big that nobody really sees the full picture. But like one person holds onto the trunk. One person holds onto sure. the right leg. So we all have a piece of the big elephant that we don't fully understand. But we're all connected to the same greater. Yeah, because by by nature, humans have such a deep desire to be right. They'd rather be right. Mm. Then go on the journey. And I'm, but see, I, I'm just always right. Well, there you go. Worry. There you go. Then you have nothing to worry. You've got life figured out. Please tell the rest of us what's, <laughs> what's going on because we don't know. It's just all in this under this bleach blonde hair. It's just all there. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah, I, that's sort of my my take on on God and faith and all of that stuff. Do you feel judged by the gay community because you are a Christian? Um. Do they, you think that they don't understand it or do you try to? Because I think Sometimes. that's another thing is a lot of them probably or just people that reject religion in general feel like they are being preached at and they don't yes. want to be sold. I think on an individual basis every now and then I feel that. But overall, okay. no, I I expected to feel judged. But I've noticed that like when I put out content, if I do a video or a blog or something, it's when I speak of sexuality and faith together mm-hmm. 
that I get the most traction. I get the most comments. I get the most support. I get the most interaction from the community. Yeah. And that surprised me. I was so afraid. To, so I, I feel like so many of us are afraid to talk about it mm -hmm. because we don't want the backlash. Yeah. When in reality, it's the thing we need to talk about because there's a yearning for it. And I didn't expect that. And it's been pretty cool. And like I said, like, I'm not out trying to, like, bring the word of the Lord to the world. That's not yeah. my job. But what I can do is bring, like, Christ's love out into the world and to see where it goes. And if people want to receive that in any way, shape, or form they choose to, that is awesome. If not, you know, I'm, I'm fine. And so are, so are they. So one thing that I picked up on, and this may be totally off, but in reading the book, I feel like we, or me as a reader, we kind of went with you through this journey of finding what your purpose was. Mm -hmm. And you can really feel that in each chapter of like, like, I feel like you can really feel the light bulb moment of like, oh, he's really discovering that like, this is what he was meant to do. Did you know, um, like when it comes to like finding that that purpose did you know it going into it or did you really kind no, of no yeah not at all yeah see, it was and I really up on that it was really important to me when i was meeting with my publisher when we first got the book deal and i decided i'm going to do this thing well can you talk about how you got the book deal because you go you were fired you were broke yeah. you owed some money to uncle sam like yes. everything felt dark it was really so dark. where did the book deal come in i reached out to an old friend alicia malone who had been a movie critic um on Hollywood Stay Live. Okay. She would come in every Friday or every other Friday and talk about what movies to see this weekend and just became a friend of mine. She's a really great girl, Aussie, redhead, like beautiful girl, just like fun energy. And and we really hit it off. And she wrote a book. And in my low moments, I was like, this sounds kind of shady, but at the time, what really made me reach out to her, one, she was very wildly talented and I just looked up to her, but also I was like, I was the host of the show. She was just a correspondent. <laughs> How did she get a book deal? I can't do this. So that's that's yeah. sort of what my ego told myself yeah, to yeah, pump yeah. myself up to have the courage to reach out to her. And so I took her out to lunch one day. Okay. On my credit card. And <laughs> and I just asked her, I'm like, what you know, what's this what was the process like? Um and once we had a good conversation, I said, Could you put me in touch with your publisher? And then it was months of me sort of dragging my feet. Mm -hmm. And one day I finally said, What do I have to lose? Like, just let's just do it. And we had a couple of conversations. They wanted to sign me to a three book deal. Wow. And I was like, huh? Like, I, I haven't you... written one. Yet. I've never written a blog at that yeah. time. And I said, let's do one. Yeah. And see how that goes. Oh, you should have just taken the three book deal. Well, here's here's why. Okay. There's that definitely that insecure part of me that was saying, I don't know if I can do this. Yeah. But there's a slightly larger part of me that's my healthy ego that says, I want to be able to have a better book deal and renegotiate for number two mm. and maybe take it to a larger publishing house or something. Yeah. So I wanted to leave that door open to myself. It's fair. Um, this book has not become a worldwide bestseller yet, but I believe that it will and it, and it's gaining traction and yeah. that's exciting. So I, I, I was like, I'm okay with the slow, steady build. That's been my entire life. Okay. That's how I kind of slow I work. and steady wins the race. Yes. I always want things faster, but it doesn't happen that way. And I've, I've gotten comfortable with that. Um, so, so yeah, I, it's, it's, I'm, I'm so glad that stood out to you though, because it was really important that this book just felt like a conversation between mm -hmm. a couple of friends and I, the revelations in the book, many of them came to me in real time. Like the book was cathartic for me. Yeah. I need, I wrote that book to save my life. And I joke now looking back, I wouldn't write the same book now. I just wouldn't, I'm in a different place. I feel healthier. I'm happier. Yeah. But at the time, and this got you to the, that place totally. And I've read the book a few times, and there definitely a lot of there's a lot of brokenness in the book. Yeah, 
but I hope that's relatable. And it is because like I found so much of myself in the book that I was like, oh, like it just it makes you think about some of your own experiences in a different way. Yeah, because we all go through stuff. Yeah, we all have rock bottom moments. Yeah. And if we have breath in our lungs, that means we've all bounced back. So we have all those things in common. Right. Uh, for me, though, like the book. It was it was my way out. I tried to express myself in so many different ways my entire life, and I felt like I wasn't being heard or seen. Mm -hmm. And putting it into print and getting it out of me was my way of saying, look, here are all my skeletons. There's nothing else. There's no dark, dirty secret. Now I can just move forward without all of this baggage. And that's what the book has been for me, which has been a godsend. No, it's been great. And there's a line that you said in the book that I can't remember, but where you talk about how it's not just something like it's not just important to share your stories, but it's necessary. Like it's, yeah, it's part of our evolutionary yeah. process. It's part of like living. Yeah. And I wrote the book to encourage others to write, to write and share their stories as well. Yeah. I didn't share these stories for the longest time because from the night I nearly took my life until I started writing this book was a full year. And I didn't tell my partner. I didn't tell my parents. I was so depressed and so ashamed Yeah. that one, I thought about it. Two, that I was in the windowsill, and even more so that I didn't do it. Yeah. I was like, I can't even do this right. Yeah. Like, I can't even complete this thing. And I felt like a loser. And I, I kept that inside for a full year, in large part because, one, shame. But two, I didn't feel like my story was big enough to share. Because I, I have a good friend right now who's battling cancer. Yeah. And God bless her. She's going through chemo five days in, in a row, and just it, it breaks my heart. Or, you know, people who actually physically have jumped yeah. and lived to tell their story. Or people have gone through uh, traumatic life events. So by comparison, which is the worst thing in the world to do, but by comparison, I didn't feel like my story was big enough. And I felt ashamed to share it. Like, who's this Who's this, yeah. Who's this? this white guy with a college degree who's on TV? And, yeah. and, and wow, we got a tax bill. Sorry. I feel so <laughs> sorry for you. Right? And so I played small. And I kept to myself. See, but the thing is, I think we more people relate to those smaller or less, you know, non-cancer moments mm -hmm. than they do to the moments where, you know, you face you're facing losing your life to cancer. Yeah, well, that's what I've been finding out, which has been really interesting. And also, it was sort of a gamble. I was hoping that that would be the case. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's very true. Everybody goes through day to day rock bottom moments. Yeah. That's relatable. Not everybody knows what it's like to battle non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Yeah. Not everybody knows what it's like to, you know, be raped and or even... to go through something terribly, a car accident that wiped out your entire family. Yeah. Most people don't know what that's like, thank God, to go through, through something so traumatic. But people do know what it's like to struggle with finances yeah. and family and, and just finding yourself and faith and those sorts of things. Most people can relate to one, two, or all of those concepts. Okay, I want to play a quick segment called Help Them Get Their Shit Together, where I have some real-life scenarios that you're going to give some advice to my oh, listeners. Oh, God, here on. goes. Okay, first one. Um, I recently unexpectedly lost my job. I had a little saved up, but was working towards really bringing up my savings before losing it all. I don't think I'm willing to start over and go back into the corporate world. I'm considering starting my own business. Give me some advice. Okay, there's a lot of different advice here. So what I would say is don't focus so much on the savings. I know that's counterintuitive yeah. to what most people say. Yeah. But every single time that I've reinvested into myself and into my career, it's worked out for me. It's paid off. And I, I believe that's how God and the universe work. 
Mm-hmm. If you invest in yourself, it works. A lot of times people will get their savings built up and then they lose a job and they get scared and they stop. Yeah. Because they want to hold on and like live as long as they can off the savings. Security, certainty, safety. Yes. If you if your gut is telling you don't go back to the corporate job, don't go back to the corporate job. That's a safety net. That's all it is. I read something recently that said that like when those opportunities present themselves, mm-hmm. it's the universe testing you to see if you're willing to move out of your comfort yep. zone or whether you're going to go back to what that's felt the, safe. That's the concept of, of yep. rock bottom. It's one of those moments where, okay, which, which direction am I going to bounce right now? Mm-hmm. Which way am I going to go? Here's a roadblock. Am I going to go right or left? Left represents the exact same thing I've always done, and I'm going to get the same results. Why not shake it up and try something new? I yeah. always say, I always, especially nowadays, the concept of nine to five corporate America, it's dying. Yeah. And it's not going to be around in five, 10 years. Yeah. The way that we know it. Yeah. The entire world is changing right I now. I think it's because there's that security of like 401k retirement, but it's like, that's not how people are, are, are their lives uh, are going anymore. I look, I had a 401k for a while too, and I still have it somewhere. I don't, I don't, <laughs> my retirement, it's not there, but also, also I can now book jobs from writing this book that pay me more in one hour than I ever made in a week on television Mm. because I said, okay, I want to try something new. And my ego said, TV, TV, TV. That's all I could ever do because that's what I was known for. That's where I got the most praise. But then I said, I'm going to shut up, get quiet for a whole year and write this book and see what happens. And my life has blossomed since. I love it. Um, Any advice or what's one takeaway you want people to walk away from reading this book? If there is breath in your lungs, there is still time to flip your script, period. And I know people like to, when they're in, in rock bottom, difficult situations, when they're in those sort of moments, it's easy to feel like, well, they don't know me. Mm-hmm. It, this is different. I know it's hard for other people, but this is, I can't get out of this. And you just have to train yourself to not talk to yourself that way, mm-hmm. to change the inner monologue and to do something different, right? The, the, the What do they always say? The, the definition of insanity is, Doing the doing same thing, thing over, over and getting expecting and expecting a different, different result. result. Yeah. But it's true. And a lot of times there's little motivational nuggets that we see on posters and like the yeah. cat hanging from the tree, all those motivational things that we've seen growing up. There's reason that they're around. Yeah. If you actually take them to heart and put them into practice in your life, they work. But most people aren't willing to take that step. They like to feel good, get their motivational quote for the day, mm-hmm. put something on Instagram and keep moving in their same pattern. And that will get you the same exact results. Predictability, yeah. Yes. yes. But you have to be willing to move out of your comfort zone. And, I mean, if you're if you're not worth betting on yourself, then, like... Nobody else is going to. Exactly. Nobody, nobody, nobody's going to hire me. I wanted to be a public speaker for so many years. Nobody would hire me if I didn't give them a reason to. Yeah. And becoming an author and doing these other things has given them a reason to now, as opposed to just the guy who's on TV. Yeah. So is there a second book coming? I haven't started one yet. I'm so involved in this and and creating other projects right now. We're getting ready to, we're trying to find a home for the podcast. Mm. Uh, And I want to speak with some of my celebrity friends, entrepreneur friends about sort of their own personal rock bottom moments and how they're able to flip their script to become the people that we know now. It's so easy to look at celebrity and successful people and think, oh, it's just always been that way. Yeah. But it's not true for literally anyone. Yeah. There's usually a chunk of time that was like hard. That we just don't know about. Yeah. Which you talk about. You talk about being broke. You talk Mm -hmm. about trying to make your dreams happen. Yeah. It's, I mean, there's so much more than just like those three pivotal, like your sister and losing your job. Going to the Golden Globes for the first time. My car breaks down in the car wash and I'm sitting in a gas station on, on Beverly Boulevard crying my eyes out. Yeah. And I don't have the money to get an Uber home. I mean, and then the next day I was at the Golden Globes. 
So, I mean, See, and those are all that's like part of the hustle and part of the struggle that I think a lot of people yeah. can are, are facing currently mm-hmm. and and can relate to in so many, so many different ways. Where can people follow you and, and keep up with you and, and wait for the second book in the podcast? Yeah, so uh, AJ Gibson all over social media. Uh, if, so if you go to AJGibsonTV.com, that is my website. Uh, AJGibsonTV.com slash book is where you can buy the book. I would appreciate your support. Also, uh, if you do get the book on Amazon or Audible or wherever you get it, um, please consider writing me a review at the end. It's very, very helpful. And especially for a guy like me who's not worldwide famous i don't have millions of followers those reviews really do mean a lot so yes. i appreciate that i'm gonna go leave a review on amazon uh, right now thank you thank you guys for listening to hashtag no filter with zach peter everybody needs to go and buy flipping the script bouncing back from life life's rock bottom moments by aj gibson i finished it this morning it's so good i am gonna go and write a five-star review i would give it six stars but they don't allow me to do that (laughs) but maybe i'll sneak a a sixth star into the actual review itself uh give aj a follow again go buy this book you guys it's really really there's so much more than what aj and i talked about today that's in the book we talk about him or he talks about growing up in ohio and being gay in the midwest and then coming to los angeles and really kind of making his career happen and now he is a motivational speaker he is on television he does have a really good fucking book so everybody needs to go and buy it right now you can follow me at just plain zach and listen to hashtag no filter with zach peter every monday and wednesday on itunes spotify iHeartRadio, and now pandora now that's a thing so if your grandma has the pandora app like mine does she can listen to your podcast on pandora in between her oldies um i'm going to go leave aj a, a review right now and finish the last of my coffee and i'll talk to you guys next week okay bye 